What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, Bart Wheeler. <laughs> How's it going, Bart? Good. That's me. I'm 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 a myth. I'm a legend. I'm all those things. <laughs> yeah, you nailed you nailed them all. <laughs> I, I was I, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget any. Is there is there any other uh, monikers you like to go by? Uh, I don't know. The Bartman. My, my daughter was. Yeah, Bartman. <laughs> my daughter was calling me all all sorts of things tonight. You know how bedtime can go sometimes. Tonight was not a fun night. <laughs> oh, I do know that. <laughs> Thankfully, it, I had my it, wife it was, on on bedtime duty tonight, so I didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, it was just one of those like kicking and screaming just to get in the shower. I'm like, girl, you need to bathe. It's been two days. We, <laughs> we need to do this. This is not an option. Yeah. We had a little meltdown <laughs> over uh, nail clippings. That's always a big one. So, Oh, yeah. yeah that's, I, I, I'm never looking forward to uh, when it's nail clipping night in our household. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've uh, in, in actual baseball news, we've got some, some really good stuff that we can, we can talk about. Um, Non, you know, five, six-year-old daughter related. So um, yeah, all of our like twenty-year-old listeners right now are like, "What are you talking about, man? <laughs> I don't need to hear about your kids, man. <laughs> Get to the good stuff." <laughs> <laughs> so um, since we last talked, we've got uh, the four big ones. Uh, we've got Carlos Correa, who went to the Twins; Trevor Story to Boston; Jorge Soler uh, going to Miami; and Nick Cassianos to the Phillies. So. Let's start with uh, who was, you know, a lot of people thought he was probably going to be the biggest kind of free agent out there. A lot of them saw, saw him that way. Uh, Carlos Correa to the Twins. How do you see that for him, for his fantasy value? Yeah, well, in terms of fantasy, I think Story was and remains the better option at shortstop than Correa. You know, it's not an ideal landing spot for him. It's probably not. He probably feels the same way if you gave him truth pills. I mean... Uh, I don't think he was looking to go to Minnesota, but it sort of—he, I think he sort of misplayed the market a little bit, to be honest. And <laughs> I think he he turned down more money, and he has an option, I believe, after every year of this contract. So he's maybe thinking it's going to be a one and done there in Minnesota if he's as good as he believes that he can be. Uh, I've right. never, as I've mentioned before, never been the biggest Correa guy, or at least uh, once it became clear that he wasn't going to run anymore. Um, you know, so I don't think Minnesota's a pretty pitcher friendly ballpark, so I don't really think that helps him too mm-hmm. much there. Uh, and I, you know, I just kind of go back to, I, I really didn't actually move him in my ranks at all. You know, I think it's kind of about what I expected. And, um, you know, last year he had a really good year and it still wasn't truly elite. So, um, you know, I think he'll, he'll be a solid producer, better in points leagues, uh, a good real life hitter, but in, in like a roto format, it just doesn't play all that well. Yeah, I had um, <clears throat> I had story uh, well above Correa anyway, and um, if anything, I might move story above Lindor. So I'm kind of considering moving story up maybe one spot or so because mm-hmm. uh, I like him him landing in Boston and getting in that lineup. But Correa, yeah, didn't really didn't really move the needle much for me. Yeah, I I had story oh. uh, already one spot ahead of Lindor, so I didn't actually move him in mm-hmm. my rankings, but I actually put story into the tier with Tim Anderson, Xander Bogarts and Marcus Simeon based on this move. Uh, you know, story was going to get a downgrade leaving Colorado, no matter where he went, but of all mm-hmm. the places he could possibly go, Fenway is just about the best possible alternative. 
So, you know, the only concern there is, will he steal as many bases? The Red Sox don't typically run all that much, but uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he'll still steal some. And the other nice little bonus to that move is he should get second base eligibility because Xander Bogarts is going to stick at shortstop. So uh, as we as we made clear from these position previews, second base eligibility is a lot more valuable than shortstop eligibility, given how uh, insanely deep shortstop is this season. Yeah, absolutely. That's key. So um, <clears throat> as far as the outfielders, you know, we had we talked about outfielders in two different podcasts last week. And, you know, I was thinking Jorge Soler would be great if he's back in Atlanta. And it seemed like he might do, you know, go back to Atlanta or maybe San Diego. And then he he lands with Miami and kind of like, mm, I, I might I might lower him a little bit. I mean, we did not to talk too much more about him. We did, you know, talk about how he showed power at Kauffman, which is, you know, a tough stadium as well to hit home runs. And I think he hit 48 or so. So he can hit home runs wherever he goes. But I was kind of hoping he'd be back in that. Atlanta lineup with some some uh, you know some folks around him where he can see some pitches, but I think with Castellanos, I like him going to the Phillies. I thought the the blurb that someone did I think on NBC Sports Edge was kind of funny, where it's like, did the Phillies think that they could play a DH at every position or something? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like they signed Schwarber and Castellanos, and it's like, where are they going to play all these guys? But um, I think their defense is going to you know struggle, but they're thinking they're just going to put up some runs, right? And they've got some good pitchers who. Some of whom we'll talk about today, and um, so I, I like his move uh, to to Philly. Yeah, I I do too. I mean, I think it's kind of similar to what I was saying about Trevor's story, though, where pretty much anywhere they were going to go was going to be a downgrade. I mean, Coors Field and Great American Ballpark are just those those two ballparks are sort of like in their own stratosphere in terms of being hitter friendly places uh, mm-hmm. to play. So. Leaving Cincinnati is not great for Castellanos, but Philly is a pretty good alternative, much like Boston is for Story. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a good all-around hitter, uh, even though he doesn't really steal bases. But um, I think I bumped him up a couple spots in my rankings based on Philly because you could definitely have imagined a much worse landing spot for him. Um, And then with Soler, I agree with what you said. I mean, I just think RBIs are a really important part of his fantasy value because he just doesn't offer much other than home runs and RBIs. He's like mm-hmm. kind of a two category guy. So you, you really want him to be in a loaded lineup. And uh, that Miami lineup is, it's not the worst thing you've ever seen, but it's certainly not the best. So he's uh, pr- remains pretty buried in my rankings. Yeah. So we've, uh, I mean, there, there are probably some other, there's some other news out there. Everything I was scrolling through today was like, you know, this guy's, you know, avoiding arbitration and signing a deal here and there. So that was a lot of that. We saw some spring training notes finally come out and it's exciting to see some of that. But um, why don't you talk about how we're going to handle pitchers today? Yeah, that's the name of the game today. We're recording here on Tuesday evening, March 22nd. And this is part one of what's going to be a two-part starting pitcher preview show. Uh, We're going to do this a little bit differently than we've done with the other positions. We're not going to just go through our rankings. Instead, we're going to look at uh, ADP for pitchers. There's just so many pitchers out there. We thought that this would make more sense as a way to do it. Um, so we are basing this off of the ADP for starting pitchers as of March 19th on Fantasy Pros. And we will basically just kind of go back and forth and talk about the pitchers in the order of their ADP and what how we, how we like those pitchers, whether we think they're good values where they're coming off the board, et cetera, et cetera. So 
why don't I get us started with that? But before I do, why don't we, as we did with the other positions, talk a little more big picture um, about strategy at starting pitcher. I mean, this is a position that, you know, goes on and on with numbers of players, but you do have to start at least five of them in most leagues and sometimes six or seven. So uh, how are you approaching starting pitcher? Are you prioritizing it early in your drafts? I would say I'm not. Um, There have been years where I've actually taken starting pitcher, uh, you know, really high. I think I even took Clayton Kershaw, like with the first or second pick one year. But those days are kind of kind of gone for me, certainly for Kershaw. But um, just in general, um, just looking at the pitchers, I see a lot of question marks, even at the top. And especially, and we'll probably allude to this a little bit, but like, after that crackdown on some of the sticky stuff, we saw a lot of spin rates decline and we saw a lot of guys have a great first couple months and then maybe a little bit of decline. And so like that worries me. We're going to talk about a lot of guys who had like breakout seasons, you know, finally really put it all together. Can they do it again? You know, so like as we go through the list, I like I have a lot of question marks and I do like to get maybe two of my top 25 or so if I can. But um, in general, I don't think I'm going to prioritize it like as I started putting together my overall rankings I don't think I'm going to have a starting pitcher even in my first round so mm. we'll, we'll talk about a couple guys at the top here but I don't know that I'm gonna like take them in the first round because I just much rather have some of these outfielders or first basemen or shortstops we've talked about yeah I think that's fair uh I will say though that I, I do sort of like if I can uh you know getting one of the top I don't know, say seven starters or something like that, six or seven, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I agree with you that they have more risks than usual. There's not as many sure things. Uh, probably the one guy you might look in the first round is Garrett Cole, just because he seems to have the fewest question marks and the history of dominant performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just hard to find a pitcher that checks all those boxes. Most of them either have one or fewer dominant seasons, have some sort of injury risk hanging over them. Uh, We're really affected a lot by, like you said, the sticky stuff. I know that was a big talking point with Cole, but it didn't really show up so much in the numbers uh, when all was said and done with him. So I I could see maybe trying to get one of those top uh, starters, but you you probably could get them in the second round rather than the first, to be honest, um, because it's not so important to me which one it is. But I think the bigger picture with starting pitcher is that it's so much, it's so hard to predict innings, and that's the thing that has changed so much in the game. There's so few workhorses in major yeah. league baseball nowadays, and where guys finish in the rankings is going to be very highly tied to how many innings they're able to throw. So. It really comes down, as we've mentioned on a lot of other shows, uh, to league format. You know, can you stream pitchers off the waiver wire? Can you find good spot starts all the time? Uh, there's more research being done in the fantasy sports world than ever about uh, spot starting and start. You know, finding streaming pitchers. So, if you if if you want to do that, it's a completely viable strategy. You don't need to take you know, four pitchers in the first seven rounds or anything like that. Um, But, you know, the guys that do get those innings are really going to be the ones that finish near the top. So, uh, you know, if if you play in a league where you have a lot of waiver wire value, I don't mind taking guys who I know are only going to throw 120, 140 innings 
uh, if I think those innings are going to be really great innings. And I'll just figure out the the other 60 or 80 innings that they're not throwing uh, as I go along, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you, you mentioned just different leagues and different scoring types. I'm in a head-to-head categories league where one guy every year, Pat, I'm talking about you, he always loads up on... <laughs> He always loads up on relief pitchers, and we're not talking about relief pitchers today, but there's something to be said, too, about those guys who you can plug in as starting pitchers, as, but they're really relievers, and they can help your whip and ERA, get you some Ks, and meanwhile, you load up on high-end closers. So some people can use that strategy, and you win you know, three out of the five pitching categories every week or something like that, So, uh, and just kind of punt wins, or hey, sometimes maybe you even win, win you get wins uh, and, and hit that category, even with some of these middle relievers or closers, so... Um, that's another, that's another thing to consider that like some people will even kind of almost punt starting pitcher or just try to get like an elite one or two and then not even worry about it after that. Yeah. There's just, it's so format dependent. I mean, there are leagues where it's good to have relief pitchers that have starting pitcher eligibility. It's good where there's, there's other leagues where it's good to have starting pitchers who have relief pitcher eligibility. (laughs) Uh, so it, it really comes, you know, first rule of, any fantasy sport is know your league, know the rules, mm-hmm. and know how to exploit them to your own advantage. <laughs> That's right. Um, and if you have questions about how to do that, I would always be happy. I'm sure, Bart, you would too. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, I'm at Andrew underscore Seifter. Um, and you are at Barton Wheeler, I believe. Yeah, yes. you got it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we'd be happy to answer any specific questions you have yeah. about how to work it in your own league based on your own uh, settings there. But why don't we hop into the specific names here? And I already mentioned uh, the guy who is going first overall among starting pitchers. His ADP as of the 19th was uh, 7.2 overall. That's one Mr. Garrett Cole of the Yankees. Um, you know, and he, he failed to post a sub-3 ERA for the first time since 2017 last year. But he was still really good. And his underlying numbers were right in line with those previous dominant years. Um, he missed a couple weeks on the COVID list, but he's otherwise remained fully healthy each of the last five seasons, which is really not something that you can say about very many starting pitchers in uh, this day and age. So, well, well, there's no pitcher that's completely without risk. I feel like Cole is a, a really nice combination of uh, upside and and floor, you know, and um, that's why I think he certainly does merit being that first pitcher off the board. Yeah, he's he's right up there. I might put him and the guy I'll talk about as kind of a one A and one B. But yeah, I will I will say you you mentioned kind of the sticky stuff and the, the numbers didn't really show it. But he did have a worse second half. You know, his ERA in the first half was under three, and then his in the second half it was over four. But he and he he did have like a little blip in August there where he was looking great. So maybe he was a little bit more all over the place. But he did have a little bit worse second half. But some of that it could I mean. We're talking about narrative a little bit here, and and kind of what we heard, um, so we don't really know for sure. But yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna poke too many holes in, in Garrett Cole. I just don't think I would take him in the first round. But I don't think I'm gonna take any starting pitcher in the first round just based on. Yeah, I know. mean, I, there were people freaking out about it with Garrett Cole, but I mean, yeah. his ERA, yeah, in August was point zero point five one. So it, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it was the best month of the season for him. Yep. So yes, he had some some rougher outings in the second half of the season, but I don't think, um, I don't think there's enough there to really say that that was because of the crackdown on the foreign substances. Right. So 
the guy the guy that I kind of have more is like a as a one A or one B, however you want to put them. I think they're both going in the first round. Is uh, the NL Cy Young winner last year, Corbin Burns? So you know he he won the Cy Young even with fewer starts than some of the other contenders. Uh, he had a brief stint on the IL with uh, COVID early in the season, um, but he led starting pitchers in like all the categories you want to see, like ERA, Ks per nine, WAR. Um, his XERA was even 2.00 compared to his actual ERA of 2.43. He was second in WHIP only to Scherzer. Um, he could have picked up more wins if his teammates shipped in a bit more. So like he, you know, the the Brewers did, like he had a lot of games where he gave up like zero or one run and still didn't get the win. So he pitched great. He almost had almost like a little bit like Degrom, you know, has been <laughs> had some bad luck even when he's pitching gems. So I think you could see some positive regression, maybe even for wins. Um, so I would have no problem taking Burns, who's 27 years old, as the even the first starting pitcher if he's you know for me. If he's falling in the second round, um, I might consider taking Burns. That's fair. I I could see positive regression to the wins. I, I don't know about positive regression to the other numbers, though. <laughs> right. I mean he he only had a, he only gave up point three eight home runs per nine last season. At, you know a six point one percent home run per fly ball rate, which is just incredibly low. So uh, I could see that normalizing a little bit. I mean, just pitching in uh, Milwaukee there. That's a pretty home run uh friendly stadium so uh I, I i don't expect him to quite match what he did last season but that's no insult when you had a 243 era and a 0.94 whip i mean those are just <laughs> unbelievable numbers uh i you know i was most impressed by uh the fact that he cut his walk rate down from 3.62 walks per nine in 2020 to 1.83 so cut it in half basically mm-hmm. that's just a huge improvement um so yeah i do uh very much like him i i actually have one other pitcher ranked ahead of him besides cole uh who i will get to shortly but um but yeah you can't really go wrong with corbin burns i think yeah the, I mean, the other thing i'll just say real quick is like this is exactly what i was talking about up front though is like this is a guy who was like working out of the bullpen and finally got to start 28 games last year. The, you know, the year before in 2020, he started nine. He started four before that. Before that, he was out of the bullpen, had no start. So t- you were talking about a guy that is going in the first round who has done it one time, and we're going to say, all right, he's going to do it again. I mean, he won the Cy Young. I mean, we've seen guys win the Cy Young, and then, you know, like we've seen Blake Snell be elite and then fall off a cliff. I'm not right. saying Burns will do that, but it's like, Guys have great years, and this is what scares me about taking Cor- Corbin Burns with a first-round pick. I'd much rather take one of those outfielders or first baseman or someone with just, I don't know, just in my mind a little bit less risk with the first or even second round, to be honest. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Uh, I do think the relative value of those pitchers, though, when they do deliver is extremely high. And in 5x5 five five Roto, for example, like mm-hmm. uh, you just think about – how much value those those pitchers can have um i mean it's half the stats but they're they're giving you a bigger portion of your pitching stats than um than any hitter would give you of of your hitting stats when they're really dominating so and if um, they give you the innings like you said i mean if they're giving you 200 plus innings then they're giving you even more value with that low era and that whip um but like burns only threw 167 innings last year and a lot of the guys we're going to talk about um I mean, there even seems to be more load management um, in baseball. For sure. And so, 
you're only getting 160 to 80 even from like a quote workhorse you know so and some of that some of that is hitting the il and stuff too um but some of it is just guys only throwing five innings and then getting pulled so that's true you're and and i think that's actually a good point because it's you know it's in the past i feel like the true aces the true dominant workhorse aces were yeah. the most valuable fantasy asset in in all of the game at least in 5 by 5 roto leagues but uh with the with the load management i'm i'm not sure that that's really the case anymore yeah it feels like it's dropping off a little bit to me yeah <clears throat> so the third pitcher in adp uh was walker bueller of the dodgers coming off the board at pick 15.2 uh, so Bueller, I mean, he finished second to Max Scherzer in fantasy value among starting pitchers last season, and he was second to Zach Wheeler in innings pitched. Um, if there's a concern, it's that his strikeout rate was down to barely over a batter per inning, and the Statcast metrics indicated that he's due for some healthy regression to that 247 ERA from last year. Mm. Still, though, I mean, Bueller's right in the prime of his career. Pitches in a pitcher-friendly home ballpark and should get a ton of run support. So I feel like he's a pitcher that has a very high floor. I just I don't think he deserves to be the third pitcher off the board, personally. I, I think he's a very good bet to finish as a top-10 starter, but I don't see him likely to match that uh, ADP and finish inside the top five, let alone the top three. Yeah, I would agree. And when we talk about run support, I mean, yes, the wins can probably be there for him, but I think I'd much rather get, when we talk about run support, I think of like the Braves and the Dodgers, um, especially the Dodgers. I mean, those those lineups, good Lord. But I think I would much rather get a cheaper option later than pay up for it here this high. I think I'd much rather, and we'll talk about some of those guys a little bit later, but I think I'd rather wait, um, you know, because Walker Bueller. Yeah, he had a great ERA and WHIP. Um, he has that incredible run support. But yeah, like you said, the the K per nine is down. Like he can get it done without having that high strikeout rate. But just know that's kind of what you're getting with him. Yeah, I mean he had a two forty seven BABIP allowed last year, which is very low. He also had an eighty point nine percent left on base percentage, which is extremely high. So those are the kind of numbers that just tell you that. 247 ERA is going to come up now. It mm-hmm. will probably just come up to the, like the low to mid threes. It's not going to be terrible, but uh, but um, but he's unlikely to return as much value as he did last year. I mean that 207 and two thirds innings too. I mean you can't really expect that from any pitcher in today's game. Yeah. So the the next two uh, according to ADP, and I don't know. I'm going to look real quick and just see if by chance they flipped, and they haven't. So it's it's Max Scherzer and then Jacob Degrom, both Mets now that Scherzer's out there. Um, so maybe we can kind of talk about both of those guys. I can kick us off with with Max Scherzer. Um, they're you know very different you know at point, points in their career. And uh, Max had like a he had a pretty rough 2020, but he bounced back you know in a big way last year, leading all starting pitchers in WHIP and finishing second behind Burns in ERA. And you know he went out to the, the Dodgers and just kept kept rolling out there. Um, he was also, let's see, fourth uh, among starting pitchers, I think, in case for nine. He was up there, um, and he's had a sub-three ERA every season since 2014, minus that 2020 year that I said he you know, had. So in 2014, that was his last season in Detroit. So once he got out of there, he was he was cash money. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's getting up there in age now. So we're going to talk about some old guys today, um, I think. And uh, Max Scherzer is 37. 
Mm-hmm. So he's back in the NL East. You know, we've talked a little bit about some other guys who were changing divisions or even, you know, AL to NL. But, you know, Max is very familiar with the NL East and a lot of these batters. So I don't see that as much of a concern. Um, and I think the Mets lineup, you know, they got Marte out there. Hopefully Lindor's healthy. Uh, I think their lineup is a bit improved. So maybe he'll have, he won't have that Dodger run support, but I think it'll be okay. And, you know, could get 15 to, you know, maybe even push 20 wins if he can be healthy the whole uh, season. But I don't know if we can expect that with, with his age getting up there. But he just keeps he, he just keeps doing it year after year. Yeah, I mean, I can't really expect him to fall off. I mean, <laughs> right. age, what, age is just a number, you know. Ask Tom Brady about that. But uh, <laughs> I just I mean, he hasn't shown any signs of decline on the field. I mean, you mentioned that 2020 season being – disappointing i mean that was of course a shortened season it was only 67 and a third innings uh the era was 374 it's not like it was five something you know right. and right. he still struck out 12.3 per nine so he was pretty dominant that season he just had some really bad batted ball uh outcomes and yeah. that kind of inflated the uh the era there but uh he was always a great bounce back candidate and sure enough he had that bounce back last year uh, yeah, I, I love Max Scherzer. He's always been one of my favorite players in, in baseball. I was at Nats Park to see him throw a no-hitter. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I'm i a big Mad Max fan, and I, I don't expect uh, any sort of noticeable drop-off this season just because uh, he's entering that age 37 uh, season. So uh, he should be great again. Yeah, and I think you can. I think you can rank him and Degrom. Honestly, if you rank one over the other, I don't think anyone's gonna argue too much with you. Um, but yeah, go ahead and go ahead and talk to me about Jake Degrom. So Degrom is actually the pitcher that I do have ranked ahead of Corbin Burns. So I, That's I'm, fair. <laughs> I'm going with Degrom number two behind Cole. And honestly, if if Degrom keeps looking great this spring, I could I could even see myself bumping him up to number one. Yep. He's just that dominant. I mean, last year he only threw 92 innings and he still finished with more fantasy value than Corbin Prince in 167 <laughs> innings. I that's mean, crazy. that's how dominant uh Jacob DeGrom was with that 108 ERA, 0.54 whip. Un- that's just unbelievable. Um so yeah, I I mean, this guy has been pretty clearly the best pitcher in baseball. Uh for the last four seasons, I would say. Uh, and it's just a matter of health with him. And uh, the early reports this spring, it sounds like his velocity is right there. It sounds like he's they've already announced him as their opening day starter. He, I believe yep. he pitched yesterday and looked good. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's some risk, but it's kind of like what we talk about with pitchers. There, There's going to be risk almost no matter who you take. So... If you're if you're gonna have that risk, and yes, he had a partial UCL tear last summer, so that's not something you like to see. But he just seems like the kind of pitcher that knows how to manage it, knows how to handle it. Um, and I, so I just feel like if I'm gonna be taking some form of risk anyway, uh, he's just so dominant that he doesn't need to pitch 200 innings to to be worth being the number two pitcher overall. Like he could pitch 150 innings and I think he would easily do that. Um, last year it was 92 innings and he still did it. So uh, I'm not saying he'll, he'll be quite as dominant as last season, but I would gladly take uh, the numbers he put up the previous three years, just prorated over 150 innings. And I'd be very happy with that. 
Yeah, I just I just hope that if he if he is dealing with some sort of injury that load management kind of helps or maybe he does a an IL stint in the middle of the season uh, like we've seen some of the Dodger pitchers kind of do with these vague injuries where they just get a rest in the middle of the season. Maybe the the Mets can kind of do that because um, last year I had him in a league and it was like you know he was gone after I think mid it was around the All Star All Star break and. You just kept thinking like, all right, it sounds like he might come back, and you hang on to him, and then he never did. So, be nice if he if he does some some load management in there if he's dealing with something. But yeah, I don't have anything to add on Degrom really. Like he's had just like historic stretches, and he's just I mean the best pitcher in baseball maybe ever when you look at some of these streaks that he's had recently. So when you look at the numbers, so yeah, no problem putting him up putting him up there even at like number one if you want to take him. If he has a healthy spring and you're like. This is the DeGrom. I mean, he was going like high in, I think last last year. I'd have to look at his ADP, but I feel like it was pretty high in the first round, even last year. Like people were taking him as kind of a sure thing. Yeah, and it was really that stat I just mentioned to you that he had uh, more fantasy value in a five by five roto categories format in ninety two innings than Burns had in one sixty seven. That was what ultimately convinced me to move him ahead of Burns because I <laughs> right. do really like Burns as well, but. I mean, if you're telling me that he can pitch half as many innings and produce more value, or you know, not quite sixty percent of the innings and and more yeah. value, I just I I think I have to take that bet, you know. Yeah, and it, what's interesting is right there, right there behind Degrom, pretty much the same ADP, right around twenty, is Brandon Woodruff, so Corbin Burns' teammate there in Milwaukee, so he's coming in as the SP six uh, according to Fantasy Pros. And, uh, you know, he had a great season last year, too. Uh, 2.56 ERA, 0.96 whip, top 10K rate. Uh, yet he somehow had a losing record. <laughs> he had some of the worst run support in all of the National League. So kind of like Burns, I mean, I feel like we could see Woodruff having some positive win re- regression, too. Wins are a little bit fluky sometimes. I mean, you look at the game log for these guys, and you're like, how did they, lo- how did they lose all these games? Um, so expecting some some more wins. Um I do have, like, I guess you could say the same thing. Like, you, uh, we mentioned with Cole, like, that he had a great start and then cooled off after that crackdown. So, again, we, we're never going to know, like, a direct correlation on this stuff. Some guys just are better first-half pitchers and second-half if you look at their careers. But um, I will say that Woodruff did did cool off a bit after having a super hot start. But I think he's I think he's a good, good bet to be, you know, a top-ten pitcher. I don't know that I'm going to put him all the way up here at six, but... You know, he, he's, he's, he's a top 10 guy. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about the wins, though, is that you really have to pitch deep into games uh, to get wins. And uh, with Woodruff, I mean, he he didn't really pitch that deep into games uh, later in the season. I don't think he – I'm just looking at his game log now. He, he only pitched a full seven innings once from the end of June to the en- end of the season. Wow. So. He was kind of like a six-inning guy yeah. um, at, at most. Um, early in the year, he had a few games where he pitched into the eighth, which was nice to see. He never completed eight innings in any start all last season, though. So um, I do think you know the workload with him will be an issue, at, but it, it is for most pitchers, and I do think that's why you you don't see the the win totals from starters that we used to see back in the day. So um, that makes the bar a little bit lower for wins to be a a uh, contributor mm-hmm. so that's that's the good news on it but i, I don't know how much uh positive w- regression we can see unless he starts pitching seven plus innings consistently right right 
Uh, now, next in line is uh, Shohei Otani <laughs> at 23.4. Now, I'm guessing that that uh, ADP is is based on formats where you can use him as a hitter and a pitcher. Yeah, I think that's Although, baking that some of that in. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I could use him as a hitter and a pitcher, I would probably <laughs> consider drafting him top five, uh, just based yeah. on how good he is as a hitter, and then you know what he can provide as a pitcher as well. You know, as a pitcher alone, I he wouldn't merit going nearly this high in my opinion. Uh, maybe he's more like an SP3 uh, in a 12-team league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hitting is what drew all the headlines last year, but he was definitely no slouch as a pitcher. Uh, he had a 318 ERA, 109 whip, 10.77K per nine. Uh, his walk rate was a little bit high at 3.04 walks per nine. Um, and the BABIP against him was pretty low, so could see some regression there. Um, but either way, I mean, I think he's he's very he's a very talented pitcher, and when he's on the mound, he's going to be good. It's just a question of how many innings he'll throw. Because um, he's kind of got two things working against him. He's got injury risk, uh, which is heightened by being a hitter on all mm-hmm. the days when he's not pitching. Uh, and then he also has... Uh, just work management, workload issues. I mean, the the Angels are going to have a six man rotation again this season, so uh, he, you know, the the even upside for innings isn't all that high. But then you would expect at some point maybe they skip him, skip his turn in the rotation at various times yeah. and things like that. So, you know, I I would say probably like 130 innings or something like that. You would be kind of happy with. And for that reason, uh, you know, SP3 value is about as high as I could go on him. Yeah, I think that makes sense. He, I think the Fantasy Pros ADP definitely has that baked in um, of him being a hitter. Uh, he is still, you know, just 27 years old. We've only seen, you know, three seasons out of him as far as pitching. Uh, let's see. He's had 35 starts. So you know, basically just like a full season. But yeah, that 130 innings, that's what he had last year. That's kind of what I question is like, how many starts are we really going to get out of him? Kind of like you said, maybe we get 25 starts out of him. Um, now, if he improves and like we just talked about Jake DeGrom, obviously totally different level. But like if Otani improves and can give you great production in those even in those 20 or 25 starts, then maybe he is uh, worth, you know, being a top 15 or 20 pitcher. Um, but, yeah, I'd be more comfortable with him as a, like an SP3, like you said, if if you're drafting him as a pitcher only. So know your format. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other risk I feel like with him is if he's not pitching that great and he's hitting as great as he was last year mm-hmm. and they have all this pitching depth at a certain point, do they just decide, hey, let's not risk him getting hurt for these mediocre pitching numbers he's putting up and they just make him just a hitter? You know, I, yeah. I feel like that's not – and that's – it's not impossible that could happen. Like that's more likely to happen than the other way around where he just becomes a full-time pitcher at this point. Cause his hitting was just so unbelievable last season. I mean, he was like right there with Fernando Tatis jr. As the most home runs and stolen bases combined in baseball. So um, I just, yeah, I, I think that that's probably the bigger priority for, for the angels. And especially if the angels can get back in contention. You know, I think if they're in contention and they can afford to 
keep those other guys in the rotation and maybe rest Otani? What if they get into later in the season and they're actually like in the playoff picture and they're thinking, well, we need to have, you know, keep Otani for September, October, because I know it sounds crazy and the Astros are the the favorite to win the division, but the angels are the second is if you look at the Vegas odds, uh, angels are about four to one to win the division. I think the Astros are typically like one to two or something like or you know, something like that. They're, they're a pretty heavy favorite, but, um, the angels are, are right there second. So, I think that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. So number eight on the list is Shane Bieber, who um, I mean, I kind of you kind of talk uh, compare him a little bit to like Degrom. I mean, Degrom is elite, but you know, I mean, to keep it real simple, Bieber is an ace with a shoulder injury concern, and that's what it comes down to the the injury concern. Because if he didn't have that, we'd be talking about him much higher, I think. Um, I'm not even really that. Although worried. eighth is not too low, right? No, it's not. But I mean, I think I I think I'd bump him above like a definitely above like Walker Bueller even for sure. Um, he'd yep. be in, like I think he'd be in my top five. I'd move him up um, a little bit from this, and maybe when it's all said and done, like after we see him in spring, maybe I will have him up there. Um, like I'm not even that worried about like potentially low run support um, because I think if he's healthy, he claims to be tel- healthy. I think you know, on his own Twitter account, he said he like, you know, he's in great shape. So we'll see, you know, players love to say they're in the best shape of their life. That's the, that's the time we're in right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we've seen him as recent as that short 2020 season. He was the number one fantasy starting pitcher uh, in all of baseball. He was top five the year before that in 2019. So we've seen him do it. Um, like I'd see, I'd like to see him get the walk rate back down. But other than that, like I can't nitpick a whole lot more. Uh, with Bieber, so if he's looking good in uh, spring training, like I said, I think I'll probably have him in my top five. Yeah, I, he, um, I, I, I mostly agree with that. I, you know, the 2020 season was that year where he was just insanely dominant with the 163 ERA and the 14.2 K per nine. Um, last year looked when he, when he was pitching, it looked a lot like uh, the 2019 season, which was still awfully good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're talking. Um, a low three ZRA, a, a very strong double digit K per nine. Um, you know, the like you said, the walks were more of an issue last year, and that that took a toll on his WHIP as well. Uh, but we are just talking about ninety six and two thirds innings there, so mm-hmm. uh, it'd probably be premature to draw too many conclusions from that. Although it is the you know three years in a row or two years in a row that his WHIP has or that his uh, walk rate has gone up, so that is something to, I guess keep an eye on. Um, you know, the expected ERA has typically been significantly higher than the actual ERA, but the XFIP has tracked closer um, with his ERA. So maybe the XFIP is a, is a better indicator of, of his actual uh, performance when it comes to Bieber there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think if he if I knew that he was going to be healthy and that 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 the shoulder wasn't going to be an issue. I would bump him up ahead of Bueller and and Brandon Woodruff for sure. I I actually even now uh, would probably consider taking him over uh, those two guys. So uh, you know that would put him right in that top five with Cole Degrom, Burns, and Scherzer. Yep. <clears throat> so the next guy on the uh, list is my cousin Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Not really my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Zach Wheeler, um, I mean, what an unbelievable season this guy had last year. Uh, and I have to admit, I, I didn't really see that coming. Um, 
you know, he'd had a sub four ERA in five of his first six seasons, but, um, and he, you know, so he'd been a good pitcher for a while, but last year he suddenly became this phenomenal one. Uh, and it was really thanks to that jump in his strikeout rate mm-hmm. alongside with, uh, continued improvement in his walk rate. And, uh, he also was number one in the league in terms of soft contact, 84.6 mile per hour average exit velocity allowed. Um, so, you know, the underlying numbers don't fully, uh, or I'm sorry, they do fully support what he did. Um, so I, you know, I, I would say like, it's pretty safe to say that that breakout is legitimate. Um, the other thing though, is that he led the league in innings, um, and he's reported some shoulder soreness mm-hmm. over the off season. So I, I'm not sure we can really <laughs> count on him to lead the league in innings again. Uh, you know, I think when it comes to like valuing him, it's, it's just kind of a matter of the fact that he's only done it once, you know? Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's 31 years old. Uh, he's got like a pretty high floor because I mean, he's, he's got, a 351 career ERA and over a thousand major league innings. So like the bottom's not going to drop out unless he gets hurt. You know, it's not, he's not going to be bad. I mean, he's only had one, one season in his career where he had an ERA over four. So he's a very consistent pitcher. It's just all of a sudden last year, he was at a whole different level in terms of strikeouts. He also had his best walk rate of his career. So it was kind of a standout performance, and it's just a question of how much of that he can man- maintain and for how many innings he can maintain it for. Yeah, and with that, with the little bit of injury concern, some some of what we're hearing that does con- you know worries me a little bit. I'm just kind of digging into his numbers, and like I'm guessing that uh, I'm looking that he he threw his slider a lot more last year, went up from 15.9 percent to almost 25 percent. So I'm guessing that was a good pitch forming, good move because he threw his change up a lot less, and I'm guessing he threw his slider in there a bit more. It'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, you do. Keep... Yeah, go ahead. Well, you do worry about injury when when guys rely really heavily on the slider, though, too. Yeah, and and um, I just I, I wonder if he can keep that K rate up, if he can keep up that high percentage of throwing the slider. Um, yeah, the age. It, it almost it almost feels like this. Um, I hate to. You can't really predict predict injuries. I'll say, but. It feels like this perfect storm, and we're starting to hear, you know, rumblings of it. So, pay attention during spring spring training. See how he's doing. Um, see if he. I don't know that he's a rock solid kind of top ten starting pitcher. Uh, it, it does kind of concern me to like say that. Yeah, he was pretty like kind of good, but not great when he was with the Mets, and we've seen him kind of do it, like you said. But will he have another great season like he did last year? I don't know. Yeah, I will mention he's got a pretty great sinker as well. So. Definitely yeah. a diverse arsenal uh, to call upon, so that is a plus. Yeah. So um, next guy on the list is another Dodger. So we like to see <laughs> these guys with the run support. So Julio Urias is number 10. Uh, his ADP is around 31, according to Fantasy Pros. And uh, this is another guy who you know finally broke out, and we're kind of wondering, can he do, do it again? So this is pretty high, you know. But considering what he did, you know, like the last – Three seasons, we've seen this low ERA and WHIP from Urias. Um, last year, we finally saw him have that full season to see what he could do with that full season. Um, like I already mentioned, he's getting the most run support in the National League, or he, he actually did last year in his starts. So he had 20 wins, but even with that high run support, I would expect that number to come down a little bit. Uh, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not expecting to get 20. Maybe he'll get 15 because that lineup 
didn't get worse, but like he just, you know, you could, you also get some good luck in there where the games you're pitching, like he got, he got the most run support in the national league. So, um, he, you know, he's always been good at keeping opponents hard hit rate down. The expected ERA has been really good too to match. So like, it feels like he might be here to stay like in this sort of young ace conversation. Some of these guys we're talking about who we've now seen it from one year. He's not that different from like talking about a Corbin Burns who, you know, we, we saw not many starts and then he finally got the season where he got gets all the starts and has a great year. So will he replicate it? I mean, this is pretty high for a guy that's only done it once, but he's with the Dodgers. He's like their number two or three or whatever, depending on who's healthy in there. But that's uh that's Julio Urias. What do you think about him? Yeah. I mean, a lot of soft contact, 86 mile per hour average exit velocity was fifth best among qualified starters. So uh, he definitely knows how to uh, generate uh, weak contact. It's hard to barrel up against him, uh, which is good because the strikeout rate is good, but it's not like incredible, you know, 9.45 K per nine. Uh, I was sort of alarmed in 2020 that he only had a 7.36 K per nine because that was the first year since his rookie season where they really used him as a starter right uh, for any length of time i mean those numbers he put up in 2019 were nice but they were in relief mostly so um so that was kind of a question whether transitioning to starter he could maintain the strikeout rate um but that last year he he got it back up so that was good to see and it was also good to see that he really cut down on the walk rate last season so um i agree the 20 wins is going to regress significantly i think 15 you'd have to be happy with it could be even a, a few less than that but yeah. Um, certainly he's in a good situation to get wins. He's not he's not generally going to pitch super deep into games, but he can get up to s- seven innings. And with that Dodgers lineup, <laughs> that, that, that'll be enough to put you in line for a win more often than not. So yep. he should still be a plus there, but it's it's notoriously hard to predict. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I honestly just, it's another one of these guys, like you said, it's... Uh, kind of the first time that he has done it as a starter for a full season so you want to see if he can he can keep it up I mean he had never thrown 100 innings in a in a season before last year so yeah um, but but he was a very highly regarded prospect coming up you know then the Dodgers are sort of notorious for taking a long time to let their prospects <laughs> uh get get uh substantial action because they just always have so much depth so it's kind of hard to break in with LA but he managed to finally do it last season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like his ADP might be a little bit bullish, um, but it's not too far off. Yeah. I just, I, like I said before, I just feel like maybe it's cause we're o- over analyzing these guys a little bit, but like, I j- it just worries me like that his ADP is so high. Um, just having that one good year. And it just feels like starting pitcher is moving toward this where guy has this, like we're talking, we're going to talk about a lot of guys who have this one good year and then you're going to kind of have to pay for that. And I, I just feel like in the past, I, we had a lot more kind of rock-solid veterans. Maybe those guys are just getting really old now, and they're getting pushed down. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a shift. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good segue into the next guy in the rankings, because I think he's a nice um, a nice uh, example of a guy who does have a little more of a track record. And that's mm-hmm. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. Uh you know, he's basically put up the same numbers three years in a row at this point. Uh, ERA in the mid threes, K per nine over 10, uh, as high as 12.07 in 2020, uh, down at 10.13 last year, but that's still plenty good. 
Um, you know, the whips have constantly been good to 110 or better over those three seasons. So yep. I just, I really like this guy. I just, I don't, it's hard to poke holes in that, in that track record. You know, the numbers are very similar from year to year. Uh, the BABIP has been the same all three seasons. The home run to fly ball rate's been the same all three seasons. You know, the ground ball rate's been pretty similar. The left on base percentage, pretty similar. The home runs allowed, everything. You just look at it, the walk rate. It's There just hasn't been a lot of fluctuation in his, in his stat lines, which is something I love to see because, you know, there's a lot of great people dissecting starting pitchers these days, and you can – break down their repertoire and you can say, you know, you can project some growth you expect to see or some regression you expect to see, but really there's nothing more reliable than results when they're shown over a multi-year period, you know? And I, I think that's just a very reassuring thing to me for Giolito. And it's a reason that I would probably take him over uh, uh, Julio Urias. I would too, and like just just looking at that track record in those last three years, like you talked about all those stats. When I'm in the draft, that gives me a lot more kind of warm and fuzzy feelings <laughs> at the top of the draft. Like I'd much rather like get a guy who just had a good year, like Urias, but maybe not as great of a year, or maybe he's not with the Dodgers. Um, but we'll, and we'll talk about some of those guys in a little bit. I just like the ADP so much better. I think I'd much rather just feel good about getting Giolito to be. Even you know, even my number one, my number one pitcher. Whereas if you're drafting Urias as your number one pitcher, um, I don't know. I, I I don't feel great about it. And the more I'm talking about it, I'm like, do I feel great about having Corbin Burns as my number one pitcher? Like just having that one year. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or you know, Wheeler or Bieber with the injury issues. You know, it's yeah, it's kind of nice that Giolito doesn't. You know, it feels like there's a little more stability there. Yep. Yep. So I like I like Giolito. He gives me the warm, warm feelings more so than Aww. more so than Urias. <laughs> gives you the warm and fuzzies. And you, so cute. You know, I know we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit on ADP because he and the next two guys are right around each other. But um, Giolito, since Friday when we looked at this, uh, he's actually moved below these next couple guys. So as drafts are happening, that's fine with me. You know, but because mm-hmm. the next guy on the list at twelve is Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Um. So, you know, Nola, <laughs> he had the fifth worst ERA among qualifying starting pitchers when I was looking through this list, um, 4.63. So, yeah, he struggled a bit last year uh, with runners in scoring position, gave up a ton of home run, a ton of home runs. So, um, but, you know, he's up this high because he's had some good seasons. He's a former first-round pick. He's still just 28. The Phillies are have kind of retooled. We talked about Schwarber and Castellanos. So, like, they're getting some some bats to hopefully get some run support. Um, we still saw a really good K rate, um, you know, top 10 K rate and walk rate last season. So I think if he can limit the home runs, um, you know, we could see him win a lot of games with that improved lineup behind him. So I think for for those reasons, I think people are kind of giving him a break on the ERA and, uh, that's why we're seeing him here at what I'd say 12. I might put him more in the 15 or 16 range, uh, when I kind of, it's all said and done, but I think he's still in the, the top 20 conversation for sure. Yeah. I actually currently have him right there at 12. I, you know, I, I give, uh, I give fantasy managers a lot of credit for taking Aaron Nola as early as they are taking him despite that 463 ERA, because I think in years past that would never happen. You know, before we had all these, um, 
underlying numbers mm-hmm. and metrics to measure pitcher performance. And before, I I just would say that it's not just the fantasy industry that's become more intelligent about how they talk about this. I think it's the the average fantasy manager that's become yeah. more uh, intelligent about how they talk about this. And and so I think people see through that six uh, that four sixty three ERA from last year, and they see that his expected ERA was only three thirty seven. You know, they see that that strand rate was uh, only 66.8%, which was the lowest of any pitcher who threw more than 160 innings last season. Um, you know, they see that the strikeout rate was as strong as it usually is and that the quality of contact he allowed was uh, unchanged from previous seasons and that the walk rate was actually the best one he's ever had. <laughs> yep, so, you know, he actually pitched – you could make a case he pitched better than ever last <laughs> season and the ERA was just a huge anomaly. So – um, you know, I've never been like the hugest flag waiver for Nola, but if I could get a discount on him this year, I'd be really excited about it. It just doesn't seem like there actually will be much of a discount. No, I don't think you are getting the discount. It, it, you know, as a top twelve pitcher, like you said, people aren't people aren't sleeping on him. So if you want him, you'll have to still pay up for Nola. Yeah. <laughs> so the next guy on the list is uh, Sandy Alcantara. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a guy I'm not quite feeling as much and I'll be interested to hear what you think about it but um I think there's a lot of projecting going on with uh <laughs> Sandy Alcantara and I just I'm not saying it it's foolish to project but I don't like paying for projection you know I like to see them accomplish it before I pay the price and uh you know his 319 ERA and 107 whip last year were, were very nice and he threw the fourth most innings in the league but he still barely finished as a top 24 starter in 5 by 5 leagues because his strikeout rate was so middling and he didn't get many wins. And, you know, he's got the stuff. Yeah. Like, he throws exceptionally hard, um, but he just hadn't really shown the ability to strike batters out until the final two months of the season last year um, when he began to rely on his slider more. And I understand the narrative of that, that, like, maybe he can do this for a whole season, but we haven't seen it. So, like, if I could get a good bargain on him and be like, people are looking. If 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 he was being drafted based on what last year's numbers suggest he should be drafted, then he'd be a lot lower than this, I think. And then I would really be excited about that projected growth and be like, oh, this guy's a sleeper, you know. But, like, if he's already going at an ADP that sort of uh, requires that growth, then I think you're taking all the room for profit out of it. So... Um, I just, you know, I, I like the guy. I think he's going to have a, a very nice career. I could definitely see a breakout, but, um, at the current ADP, I just don't think I'm likely to be drafting him. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like it, it, it's a guy that like, you'd like to get a discount on, but you're not. And it's kind of amazing that he, that he lost 15 games last year, which was, I think there were only a couple of people who, who had 16 losses. Um, so it was technically third most in all the majors, but. Yeah, I mean, he was—he still was. You, you mentioned he was top or somewhere around twenty-fourth in five by five roto. I was seeing yeah. that he was top twenty, but maybe that was a different, different format. But in any event, he was very serviceable. He was good, even though he had fifteen losses. But he wasn't top twelve, um, which yeah, is, he was twenty-third according to Baseball Monster. Okay, and he had less fantasy value than Trevor Bauer had in like half the innings. <laughs> Trevor Bauer threw one hundred seven. 
innings and uh, 107 and two thirds, and Alcantara threw 205 and two thirds, and uh, Bauer still had more fantasy value. Yeah, I mean, I think like what you're saying is right. Like he's like he's trending in the right direction. There's a lot of projections. You know, he's decreases expected ERA, WHIP, walk rate, increases K rate each of the last three years. So year over year, um, his ground ball rate as well as gone up so but he still plays for the marlins um and in fact his teammate pablo lopez who we'll talk about as well like has done those things as as well and you can get him a lot later and he's he's also shown that year over year progression so i think i'd much rather get pablo lopez later than alcantara this high yeah or trevor rogers i mean yep there's there's a lot of interesting arms in that miami rotation for sure so yeah i'm kind of with you there yeah so next on the list, I'm going to turn this over to you, Robbie Ray, <laughs> uh, now with the Mariners. All right. Yeah, Robbie Ray. So, I mean, you know, he won the AL Cy Young last year and went from Toronto to Seattle. So um, he's going to get less run support. I, I guess in some respect, he's probably like, man, he's looking at Toronto signing all these guys. And he's like, here I am in Seattle with this lineup. But, you know, he's playing against a weaker division. He's in more of a pitcher's park. Um, so that's good. Um, so, I mean, I guess we'll see, see if that helps him. Um, so he, he led the league in strikeouts last year. Um, he was like, I think he was, he was definitely top 10 in K, K per nine. Um, and his strikeout rates always been pretty elite. He lowered his walk rate a ton last year. So we'll see if he can maintain that and keep that low whip. And like I said, maybe the ballpark will help him not give up too many home runs. So th- those are kind of like the question marks to see if he can kind of keep it up. We've seen him have that high strikeout rate. Um, I think the pitcher's park, you know, could help him, like I said, with potentially like a little bit weaker opponents. But um, the lineup, the run support, I-, I think the wins might be down. So I don't expect him to get Cy Young again, but um, he said he's going 14th. I mean, to me, that feels about right. I-, I don't think I don't think he should be bumped up into like the top 10, but I also don't think I'm going to be ranking him outside of my top 20. Yeah, I don't know, man. He scares me. <laughs> he scares me. He's got some wildness I mean, to him. <laughs> oh my god, his whole career has just been this roller coaster ride. And the scariest part about it to me is that he had a season that wasn't that different from this season back in 2017, where he had a 2.89 ERA, 12.11 K per nine that season. Uh, you know, it was. It was a 115 whip that year, so he had he had a great season back then, and and he followed that up with 393 ERA the next year, then 434, then a 662. I mean, his career ERA is right at four. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I'm the ballpark thing helps a little bit in my opinion. I don't care about the run support. Uh, you know, I wins are fickle. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I want all the help I can get in terms of keeping the ball in the yard <laughs> when it comes to Robbie Ray. Um, I mean, his home run per nine has always been very high. Um, and, you know, maybe it can help a little. I mean, T-Mobile Park in Seattle is actually – it's it's one of the better pitcher parks in the league, but it's more neutral in terms of home runs. So I don't know how much that will help him. I think it should help a little bit compared to Toronto. Um but, uh, you know, it, it's not going to single-handedly save him. I mean, I, I guess what I'm worried about with him is it just feels like he's one of those pitchers where 
one slight adjustment can throw everything off. It's like the gears get jammed in the machine or something. And <laughs> you go from like a Cy Young candidate to like an unusable albatross on your, like weighing down your team, you know? Um, and that's the scary part for me. I mean, I just don't, I don't know what we're going to get. I mean, he's one year removed from the worst season of his career in 2020. And I know we give a lot of guys a pass for that 2020 season because it was that COVID COVID year and it wasn't that many innings. But he had a 7.84 walk per nine that, that year and a 6.62 ERA. I mean, if you had him in 2020, you did not win your league. You know, I mean, if you used him at least. So that's the danger with him. I you know the strikeouts are going to be there um but i don't i don't really trust the the reduced walk rate completely i don't i i i have a hard time seeing him being like a major asset in whip um i i think the era is probably going to settle in the mid to high threes um but i also just think there's just a lot like a very wide range of potential outcomes with him and it just makes me a little bit nervous yeah well i have some good news for you you don't have to draft him <laughs> and i'll tell good. You, and i'll tell you that i'm just looking at adp on fantasy pros here are some guys who were going like before and after robbie ray and i'm guessing you're probably going to want to draft all or most or all of them so i'll start with 39 and go down through 47 aaron nola xander bogart lucas giolito robbie ray Liam Hendricks, Austin Riley, Trevor Story, Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo. So, you know, take a position player there, pass on Robbie Ray. I think with all with a lot of these guys we're talking about already, we're talking about it, and then I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like they all have this feel to not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them have this feel to them where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I, I'd much rather wait. And there's guys that we're, we haven't gotten to yet that I I like as a lot more at their ADP. I'll say. Yeah, but even in that same round where he's going, it's the same round that Giolito and Nola are going, and mm-hmm. I would just feel much, much more confident drafting those two guys than I would drafting Robbie Ray. Yep, agreed. Um, another guy I would actually prefer to draft like over Robbie Ray is a guy going uh, 12 picks later than him, who's the next guy in our pitcher ADP, and that's Freddie Peralta, uh, the other <laughs> – the other Brewer breakout starting pitcher of last season, there was, <laughs> there were a lot of them. Um, now I understand why Peralta is not ranked as highly as Burns and Woodruff. Uh, that that is understandable, but I mean, this guy has really filthy stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. he was last year he was in the ninety second percentile in whiff rate and hard hit rate allowed, so uh, not giving up hard contact. Tons of swings and misses. It's just really hard to square up the ball against him. Um, and he had the lowest uh, expected batting average against of any pitcher, according to StatCast. 174 expected batting average against. Um, the issues, of course, are that he walks a lot of batters, which could inflate his whip, um, especially when his 230 BABIP allowed from last year normalizes. Uh, and he rarely pitches into the seventh inning, so I do think that will limit his win potential. Um, the good news is that both of those things can be solved by the same thing, which is improving his control. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if he's able to do that, I think he could really truly vault into ace territory. I think he does have that upside given the the stuff that he has. Um, I'm not saying I expect that, but the good news is that he, he doesn't absolutely have to do that to still be a, uh, a, a pretty darn good fantasy pitcher. Yeah, and I'm just looking at some of the projection models out there. Have him 
you know, for around 155 to 160 as far as innings pitched, and that that would be fine. I'm I'm a little salty on Freddie Peralta because I feel like I'm almost certain I had him in 2019 and then again in 2020, and just kept waiting for the breakout, and then I missed out on him last year. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure I had Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta at various times <laughs> in my keeper league, and I have none of them now. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it's like with with Peralta, I know. You know, I'm looking at in 2018, his age 22 season. He had that low BABIP again and against them, and he had some some okay numbers. He flashed that you know caper nine of 11, and of course people get real excited about that. And then you know I probably drafted him as a sleeper in 2019, and he didn't really pan out and blah blah. blah. But yeah, I think um, now that we've seen what he can do with 144 innings with you know 27 starts. Yeah, I'm okay taking him right around here, like around the 15 range for sure. Yeah, I mean, I he I'll admit he's like a kind of volatile asset. Just like it's like we were talking about before, guys. Who this was the first time they've done it. I mean, he's had mm-hmm. great strikeout rates throughout his career to this point, but he was a reliever for the 2019 and 2020 seasons. So right. this was his first time throwing over 100 innings, first time being a starter all season long. Uh, so, you know, it's like, we've talked about with some of these other guys when they've only done it once, you have to see it again, but I would rather take the risk with him than with Robbie Ray, who I've seen fall apart multiple times. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, we've mentioned, uh, Giolito and kind of how rock solid he is. The next guy on the list at 16 is Lance Lynn. So he's going around, uh, 57 overall. And, <clears throat> you know, there were some big expectations for him coming over to the White Sox, um, and, uh, you know, he still finished as, like, what I saw about a top 20 or so starting pitcher. Um, but we, he had, like, a red-hot start. And I think people were thinking, oh, Lance Lynn's going to be a top 10 pitcher. He's going to get all these wins, et cetera. But then he landed on the IL with a muscle injury. Um, he came back fine. Um, but but the second half, he, he dropped off. And, you know, his inning totals were much lower, kind of like you were talking about with Woodruff earlier. Um, it just felt like load management kind of with Lance Lynn and he just wasn't pitching deep into games. He was pitching five, six innings every, every game it seems. Um, but if you look at like the last three, three years, uh, he's been basically like a top 20 guy with a great expected ERA. His strikeout rate has been actually better over that span versus earlier in his career. So we've looked at kind of a three year sample on some other guys. And if you're looking at Lance Lynn, you know, he feels pretty solid. Maybe he'll get a little bit better win luck. That's a good lineup. Maybe he can have 15 wins. Um, so I think he's a solid, you know, top 20 option. I, I want to get a, get a guy in a lineup like Houston, White Sox. We talked about Dodgers, Braves. So some of those guys. Yeah, no, I, I love Lance Lynn. Very reliable, uh, pitcher. Uh, really the only thing I can, the only thing I can pick apart with him is, uh, the ADP of 57, Point two when you can get Charlie Morton, who I find very similar at 85. So, you know, I, I just, to me, they're kind of the same pitcher basically. <laughs> uh, and Morton is just going so much cheaper. So, and he's a lot um, older for that. <laughs> well, but. yeah, he's a little older, but I mean, <laughs> Lance Lynn's 35. It's not like he's young. Oh, he is. Um, well, okay. Yeah. He, I, I was yeah. thinking Lance Lynn was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit younger. <laughs> no, 35 years young. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I probably will find myself, like, passing on Lance Lynn here, just hoping either he slides or I'll just take Morton instead. You know, if I'm looking for that older, reliable 
second or third fantasy starter. Um, so that's that's really the only like hole I can poke in his resume because I agree he's been very consistent really throughout his whole career. It's just been over the last four seasons that the strikeout rate has really jumped up, and that's been uh, really valuable. And the walk rate has dropped at the same time. So he's fine tuned his craft in in his later years, just like Charlie Morton has. And I think his I think he could slide a little bit in drafts because he is a bit older. Because he had a, like a kind of a rough second half, and, and the expectations were high, and he didn't kind of live up to him. And these next guys we're going to talk about are a bit younger, and maybe in some some better situations, mm-hmm. or as good. Yeah. So the next guy on the list is Kevin Gosman, now with the Blue Jays. Uh, had a great season last year uh, with the Giants. Uh, you know, we've talked about how the Giants are the team that. Turns everything into gold, and they turned they turned Kevin Gossman into gold. Um, you know, he had six up-and-down seasons in Baltimore. Wasn't the first pitcher that struggled in Baltimore. <laughs> that You know, they've had so much trouble there, uh, as you know, developing pitchers that they yeah. just moved their, park, their uh, fence back 30 feet. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he showed a major transformation in his game in 2019, uh, when he suddenly ranked among the league leaders in whiff rate, uh, it wasn't reflected at that time in his 5.72 ERA. But I was definitely buying in at that point, expecting a breakout to come uh, based on the underlying numbers. And sure enough, uh, it came in 2020, and then he was even better last year with a 2.81 ERA, 104 WHIP, 10.64 K per nine, and 192 innings. So he is a workhorse as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was a top 10 starting pitcher last season. Uh, of course, the question is whether he can maintain that in Toronto. The Rogers Center is a very home run friendly ballpark. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just I'm not really expecting a huge drop off from Kevin Gosman. I just think he's figured out he's another one of these pitchers that has just sort of figured out how to how to uh, get the most out of his abilities. And um you know, we've seen pitchers go to Toronto and succeed. It's not like that is an impossible task. It's it's not like going to Colorado or something like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. um, I think he's going to maintain most of what he's done. I mean, you know, 281 ERA last year was probably – he was probably not going to maintain that anyway. But like a mid-threes ERA I think is eminently doable for him with good strikeouts, um, solid walk rate, which means, you know, a pretty good whip as well. And, you know, like you were saying before, that that Blue Jay lineup is going to give him a ton of uh, run support. So if he pitches 192 innings again or anywhere close to that, I think he's going to rack up quite a number of wins. Yeah, and I don't I don't see why he wouldn't, you know, pitch that many innings again. We've seen him. We've seen him do it. I'm just looking back at, you know, he's had he's basically pitched like 180 innings or more like four times. And we've in, in pretty recent years, we've seen him do it. And, yeah, you mentioned him in Baltimore. He was the. Number four overall pick in 2012, and uh, never never had a good season in Baltimore. I told I told you in the other podcast episode how I sat next to him that time at a Squirrels game when he was with Bowie with the radar gun. Right. And, uh, I had no idea who he was then until kids were going up to him, getting him to sign baseball cards and stuff, which was a really cool story. But um, yeah, his his K rates way up there. I mean, he's really kind of figured it out in San Francisco. See if it can translate. Um, I like Gossman. I think you mentioned the home run rate. I would kind of expect that to come back up a little uh, to where it has been historically with him and going to Toronto. So, um, you know, he'll give up a few more home runs, let's say, but I think he can keep all the other numbers somewhat in check 
So maybe a little bit higher ERA. I did you? I don't know if you said like three five range or if you mentioned yeah, three five range. Yeah, yeah, I think I I think same thing. I agree. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the next guy on the list maybe a bit more, and maybe it's because he's with Atlanta or what he did last year. But Max Freed at eighteen, I like him uh, even more than Gossman. Um, he missed over a month um, last season due to uh, different injuries, but when he was healthy, he was he was pretty great. Um, yeah, he was like among qualified pitchers, he was top ten in categories like ERA and home runs per nine. Uh, he just turned twenty eight and has that great you know Braves lineup for run support. So to me, he's almost like a, a Walker Bueller light or the cheaper version of like a Walker Bueller because he's not going to give you that high K rate. But um, I do think both guys could actually get twenty wins um, if they get a little luck in that category. I'm not going to project you know twenty wins for a guy, but. Maybe Freed would be like this year's, you know, Urias or something and get that run support in the wins. So, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have that elite strikeout potential like some of these other top 20, you know, kind of guys that we're talking about. But good ERA and whip for a really good team. And I like I like Max Freed, maybe a spot or two above Gaussman. Okay, yeah, we'll 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 agree to disagree on that one. I would definitely take Gosman well ahead of Freed. The strikeout rate is just a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it really limits his upside, and uh, you know, I feel like strikeouts are one of the more predictable stats from year to year. Wins are the least predictable, you know. So, um, I maybe he'll get a ton of wins. I I don't know. I just it's. It's just hard to say. I mean, he's never that 165 and two thirds he threw last year, tied 2019 for the most he's ever pitched. So he's never proven he can be, you know, a true workhorse approaching 200 innings or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, the strikeout rate for me, you know, the leagues I tend to play in are like innings capped leagues where K per nine is really important. Right. And yeah. Like in those situations, I. I, I won't I basically won't roster a player that doesn't strike out at least a batter per inning and mm-hmm. he hasn't done that in either of the last two years. So um for me that's kind of an issue. I I I do agree like in other formats like um where you don't have an innings cap, that makes him more appealing. Um and you know, I I still think he's like a top thirty ish kind of starter for me, but um but I, I do have him a little bit lower. Okay. I mean, that's fair. We can we can yeah. disagree a little bit on Max Fried. And like I said, he doesn't have that elite strikeout potential. So you yeah, you're you're right in your mind to like Gaussman more for sure for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Well we can always have another gentleman's bet since mm. our Eugenio Suarez Matt Chapman one got messed up. <laughs> yeah, that was kaput. I'm I'm still yeah. okay doing that one, by the way. <laughs> well, I know you are. <laughs> All the trades helped helped your side. Um so next next guy on the list is yet another Blue Jays pitcher, uh, and that's Jose Barrios, formerly of the Twins. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel like he's kind of just – there were times early in his career where people were expecting him to become like this dominant ace, uh, and I, I think that that ship has kind of sailed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's another one of these guys that's just been a very consistent kind of fantasy asset, you know what I mean? So – um, I feel like he has a pretty high floor, if not a high ceiling. Um, and, uh, you know, his numbers took no noticeable hit upon moving from Target Field to the Rogers Center. Uh, 
and I yeah I think he's basically a lock for like a ERA in the 350 to four range, a K per nine of at least a batter per inning, and I think he can also provide a helpful WHIP if he can keep his walk rate as low as it was last season. Um, just pulling it up here, last year the uh, the walks per nine was 2.11, which was uh, in line with 2019, but uh, significantly better than it was in 2020. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I just think, um, you know, it's a tough pitching environment, of course, but uh, I feel like he's the kind of pitcher that, that knows how to succeed in that environment. I think he, uh, uh, I think he's a, a decent third starter. Yeah. Looking at his, his uh, previous season, he's one of the few guys that you could actually say is like a work gets that workhorse load. Like he's actually had 192 innings and, in, you know, three out of the last four years. And I guess uh, I, I can't do the math quick I'm in my head to see if, you know, what he did last year, what, if 63 innings was, you know, what percentage that was. But it, maybe it's the last four years where he's hit that, you know, high mark. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think Grios is a, is a good, you know, solid play here in the top 20. Um, next guy on the list. I feel like uh, so we're only through, we're only through twenty here, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll start uh, speeding it up. We got a ways bit, to go. Man. So num- <laughs> yeah. number twenty here is Logan Webb. Um, Logan Webb, I'll just say uh, really quick. Um, when we got into August last year, a couple of my buddies and I in the group chat noticed how he was starting to go deeper into games, and we noticed this because you know we follow some folks on Twitter who are good like sports gambling cappers, and they were like, all right, you know, play Logan Webb over. Uh, however many outs, it was typically like around 17.5 or something, right? So it's like you get to six innings and Logan Webb just started doing that like on the regular. And it was just, it was just every time Logan Webb pitched, I was like, bet it, bet it over outs, over outs until it didn't hit. And then it was like, all right, we won't bet anymore. But he just was just second half of the year. He just was, he kind of looked like that workhorse. And um, that's kind of what I'll remember him for last year. But he actually had the look of like an ace with, a good, you know, ground ball rate, decent K rate. Um, and like I said, he's, he started, you know, pitching deep into games, uh, you know, that could help him get more wins. Like we kind of talked about earlier guys who don't, you know, pitch deep into games. Um, maybe he, maybe he could even be more valuable in your league as a quality starts. If that's a category you use, we haven't really talked about that. I know we talk about just sort of the standard categories. Um, mm-hmm. his shoulder injury was early in the season last year. So I'm a, I'm going to assume he's fully recovered from that. I haven't heard any notes you know, otherwise, but again, this is another guy who doesn't have a long track record. So it's like, he had a good, pretty good season. Can he handle like the full season workload? Um, I kind of like Logan Webb. I feel like he might be like a new version of like this workhorse who we haven't really seen yet. And we saw, you know, Gaussman and others for the giants get a lot of innings. And I think Logan Webb will eat up the innings and, and be solid. Yeah. I I think that his ADP is fair for balancing the risk and reward i mean he was yeah. a top 12 starter in the second half last year but that kind of came out of nowhere based on his career up to that point so uh you know it's just a question of whether he can continue that into this season um but i think going around the 20th pitcher off the board is is a logical place for him to be going yeah uh so next on the list is um is Luis Castillo, yep. <laughs> uh, who I traded away in my keeper league this season. So that might tell you what I think about Luis Castillo. <laughs> um, he's also apparently now uh, uh, dealing with uh, a uh, shoulder soreness issue. Mm. So uh, his opening day status is in jeopardy. 
which is another reason that I would fade him. But I would I was already going to fade him anyway, uh, and the reason for that is pretty simple. I he's a I mean he's got good stuff, um, but he just is going to hurt your whip. I mm-hmm. mean, <laughs> like he's uh, I mean he 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 just doesn't have the the uh, the command, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, last year was really frustrating as someone who rostered him. I mean, he was horrifically bad for the first two months of the season. And part of that was due to like BABIP and strand rate being out of whack. But uh, it was also his strikeout rate and his swing strike rate that were way down. Um, And even when he, even though he was a lot better from June on, um, you know, he wasn't like amazing. His K rate wasn't amazing. His whip was still over 130 in the second half. Um, you combine that with the shoulder soreness. You know, you look at his career, he's got like a 372 career ERA, 9.8 career K per nine. So those are solid numbers. Um, but I just think when you know for a fact that the whip's going to hurt you, I I don't really see him finishing as a top 24 starter. And then you, you bring in that health issue as well, and it just makes him a full-on fade for me. Yeah, I think if I think if his K per nine was still like around 11 or so, like it was the previous two seasons, we might be looking at him a li- little differently. But with that strikeout rate going down, I don't know if like the hit on the whip, like you mentioned, is going to be worth it <clears throat> for Luis yeah. Castillo. Yeah. So twenty uh, second. So this is. I mean, I can touch on him real quick, but twenty second as of Friday was actually Chris Sale. So interested where he is now, because you know Chris Sale, we've heard is dealing with a, a, a rib injury. That I mean, I don't know if you. I know you're a Boston fan, so maybe you've been keeping tabs on your guy but i've seen anywhere from three to six months was kind of what the injury could be but do you have anything like that you've seen more up to date i have not no i've not heard that that's pretty dour i wasn't expecting it to be quite that bad right and that so again that's that's like a blurb that i saw and maybe that was just someone talking about these types of rib injuries can be but three to six months is a huge range too so anyway like all that to say like he's still going as the man sp21 right now so, I mean, I I would move him down considerably. And let me find him because I just started, like <laughs> you know, kind of putting together like my SP rankings, you know, overall. And I kind of put him down as a placeholder more like around 40 for me with this rib injury because of kind of what I saw. Like if he misses two or three months of the season, I don't know how you can justify taking him, you know, up here at 22. Uh, we we know what what Chris Sale has done in the past. We also know that he's done you know dealt with some some injuries um, recently. So I think you know this is just another one in recent years. He's now 32. Um, let's see, he missed he missed the 2020 season. Um, so that was pretty recent, and he had he pitched what 42 innings last last year. So this is a lot of risk for me if he's going this high in drafts. I'm just probably totally gonna fade Chris Sale. Yeah, inside injuries has him missing six to ten weeks. Okay. Uh, so, and that would be from now, you know. So, yeah. uh, a month or two, I think, is probably a more realistic uh, estimate than three to six months. But <laughs> right. you know, at, at the same time, there can always be setbacks and things like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want to like find injury problems; they'll find you. So. Uh, yeah, I'm sure his ADP is going to drop significantly. And it's a shame because Chris Sale, I mean, I am a Red Sox fan too, but even just if you're a fan of 
the game or a fan of awesome fantasy pitchers. I mean, there are a few pitchers in the league that have as much upside as Chris Sale. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we talked about if we, if we knew that um, Shane Bieber was fully healthy, he'd be top five. I mean, if we knew Chris Sale was f- fully healthy, <laughs> I think you could put him top five. You know, he's that good. But yeah, he is. Uh, it's just been a long time um, with the Tommy John and the long recovery and, and now now this latest ailment. So it's it's frustrating for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list is Joe Musgrove uh, with the Padres. And, you know, he had a very nice season last year. Um, you know, he showed signs of a breakout back in 2020 with Pittsburgh when his K per nine jumped up from 8.3 to 12.48. And we fully got that breakout last year with the Padres. He posted a 318 ERA. 108 whip, 10.08 K per nine over 181 and a third innings. Good, healthy inning total there. Um, You know, the underlying numbers do suggest he's due for some regression, but I don't think we should overthink it with him. I mean, this is a pitcher with a strong K, uh, you know, strikeout to walk ratio, pitching in an extremely pitcher-friendly environment. So I would expect him to be able to repeat most, if not all, of what he did last season. I think he's a pretty solid value at where he's going in drafts. I think he's a good value, too. And kind of like Lance Lynn we talked earlier, like I think people aren't going to be excited to draft Joe Musgrove. So I wouldn't let him slip too far. I would go ahead and jump on him because he's going to be a guy that you get in your lineup. I like that he's you know increased that, that K rate. Um, yeah, the, the ERA, like you mentioned, he... His expected ERA was much higher last year, but then the year before it was kind of flipped. So another guy you could probably figure he'll settle into about a three-five ERA. Um, yeah, like uh, Joe Musgrove is not like a flashy, super high upside guy, but no need. To, I mean, I would go ahead and draft him here in the kind of the top twenty-five. Yeah. Um, the guy after him, I actually like probably a little bit more. Um, Frankie Montas um, for Oakland doesn't have the a good uh, all he's losing all his all his players for his run support with Chapman and Olsen gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Oakland's going to have left to score to hit and score Still some runs. Still got that pitcher friendly park at least. That's true. He does have that one. I've actually been to that park. I was there uh, when it was opening day. I was out there for for work and I convinced a colleague of mine to go over and watch them play opening day and uh, we were debating it because it was the same day as uh, the national championship game, I think it was UNC versus Villanova, whatever year that was. I think it was those two. But anyway, we went to opening day out there. Um, nice. Not not the best ballpark. Maybe we can talk ballparks another time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know you've been itching to do that I for have. a while. We will get to it. Don't worry. Yeah, I've been to a bunch. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, we finally, again, this is another guy where we finally saw a full season from him. You know, his first throwing more than like 100 innings. And so... Uh, he nearly got his his numbers kind of back to those 2019 ranges, getting his ERA you know below 3.5, his WHIP below 1.2. Um, you know, another like kind of top 20 uh, starting pitcher last year, and um, I, I think his 2021 was kind of a tale of two seasons. We've talked about guys having a good first half, second half, or vice versa, but um, his first half was rough, and his second half was was great. So, I mean, if you hung on to Frankie Montas, which Again, I keep talking. We keep talking about our own leagues. I feel like he was a guy who I might have dropped, or maybe I got lucky to pick him up. But I know I had Montas on my team last year at some point. I dropped him. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm a little bitter about this one. I won't (laughs) lie because, you know, we talk about guys that burned us. Yeah, they have to earn the trust back. 
Frankie Montas has not earned the trust back for me <laughs> yet <laughs> because not only did he burn me, but I, the guy I drafted him instead of was Shohei Otani, the hitter. Mm. <laughs> so, because I, I was waiting, I was in a draft and I was waiting to grab Shohei Otani late, and I kept waiting and waiting, and I was like, because he was buried in the Yahoo uh, draft rankings last season going into the year. Oh yeah, so I was like, I can get this guy really late, so I just kept waiting. I'm like, no one else is going to think to draft Otani, and I was <laughs> like, oh, Montas is there. I mean, he's a really solid like mid mid-tier fantasy pitcher i guess i'll get him and then get Otani in the next round and nope <laughs> my my friend uh miguel stole him from me and he went on to have that massive season <sighs> so not only did montas burn me i mean his era was well over four uh through the first three months of the season um closer to five i believe um yeah you know uh so montas burned me and Otani burned me, and it was just—it was miserable. Well, you mentioned <laughs> so you mentioned Otani. <laughs> I, I actually had Otani last year in my league, and uh, I drafted both the pitcher and the hitter. I think I got them like right near each other, and mm-hmm. I had people offering me trades, of course, after the first month or two. And I'm like, just for like one version of him, right? Either the pitcher or the hitter. And I'm like, I can't break up this human being into (laughs) this is just if you if you want to trade for otani you're getting both you know and you better make like a huge offer you're such a you're such a good human yeah i I couldn't (laughs) do it it's it's just be immoral to to separate him it felt wrong it really did just this image of me just like you know getting otani in half (laughs) yeah that's anyway it's like a it's like a magician trick or something (laughs) saw him in half but but with (laughs) with uh with montas i think if he can continue that second half and we you know we see that then maybe you're getting a, even a good value here uh, where he's going. So I could see it. I yeah. could see it. Um, I'm just too bitter. <laughs> so the next guy on the list is Jack Flaherty, and this is another one with like you'd have to put that like medical symbol next to his name or yep. whatever. There's just some red flags there, which is a shame. I mean this this guy is a ace caliber pitcher. I mean he's pitched like an ace for long stretches of his career. Uh, but COVID and injury served as a significant roadblock over the last couple seasons. Uh, and now he's dealing with shoulder soreness that's already ruled him out for opening day. Um, and he recently admitted also that he's been pitching with a small tear in his shoulder for years, uh, which is apparently unrelated to the shoulder soreness. So uh, he's confident he can come back quickly and he's pitched through this ailment, the tear for a long time. Um there's really no reason right now to think he's going to miss a huge chunk of the season, but you just never really know with pitchers and arm injuries. So like the upside is really high with Flaherty, but there's a lot of risk too. So, you know, I think looking at where he's going, um, and this was as of the 19th that he was going as the 25th pitcher off the board. I think that's, that's fairly reasonable. I would guess he's probably dropped a few more spots since then. Yeah. He's the 27th uh, now. Yeah, so, you know, I think that's actually a, a spot in the draft where the risk-reward calculus could could work out with a guy like Flaherty, but um, he's certainly not a pick for the risk-averse. Yeah, I mean, I would I, I agree with you. I think at some point it's worth taking a shot on, on guys who have that elite upside. Um, the next guy on the list is your guy you already talked about, Charlie Morton. So he's number Love 20. Love some Charlie Morton. Yeah, he's number 26. And uh, I was listening to some of the CBS guys talk about Charlie Morton. I think they all love <laughs> Charlie Morton. Um, they are gaga over him. So, I mean, but I, what's not to love other than like kind of like the old age? And we've talked about guys like 
Scherzer and even Lance Lynn, who you reminded me actually is 35 and not like, <laughs> I guess 31 or two, like I had in my head. I don't know. Um, but you know, kind of like, uh, Max Fried, um, Morton benefited from, uh, top 10, uh, run support per nine in all of major league baseball. So I don't see why they won't get that run support again. That lineup's great. So I know we've kind of talked about wins a little bit here and there, but I think the potential is there at least for wins. Um, he was better than Freed, uh, even in uh, the home run per nine rate. Um, and he just has a much higher strikeout potential when you're comparing the two. So if we're comparing Freed and Charlie Morton, I'm going to guess you're going to like Morton better, especially going later uh, than Max Freed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Morton's also posted, I mean, his 334 ERA last year was actually um, higher than he had in 2018 or 2019. So he, he can be a real difference maker in ERA. His whip is is pretty solid as well every year. Uh, I mean, he had a, a real tough time in that 2020 COVID shortened year, but that really looks like an outlier compared to his last uh, five seasons as a whole. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not like I don't think we can really point to the age as an indicator that he's declining in any way after what he did last season. So, yep. um, yeah, I will, I, I will have him ranked higher than uh, Max Fried. All right. Uh, 27th and then, is Alec Manoa. Another, yeah. another blue Jay. Is he the fourth know, blue Jay we talked about? <laughs> well, this team is loaded, I know. right? I mean, they're just loaded. Uh, and Manoa is the guy who's like the, you know, impressive young arm. He's now 24 years old. He was, uh, you know, the number two prospect in their system coming up, uh, top 35 overall prospect in baseball. Um, you know, he kind of shot right up because he he only threw 17 innings in A ball in 2019, and then, uh, of course, because of the COVID uh, uh, situation, there was no minor league baseball in 2020. Uh, he only threw 18 innings in AAA in 2021 before. He got the call uh, to the Blue Jays and stepped right up and pitched ex- extremely well. I mean, mm-hmm. 322 ERA, 10.24 K per nine, um, 1.05 whip. Uh, just really great numbers all around. Uh, nine wins uh, in half a season, essentially. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was just awesome last year. And, uh, you know, it's it's like we've talked about. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen it for a full season yet from him. So, uh, whether you can count on that or not, I don't know. But I mean, his 199 expected batting average against last year was seventh best in baseball, according to Statcast. Um, he's got great stuff. There's no doubting that. Uh, he does walk his fair share of batters, and he's pitching in that hitter-friendly environment. But he's not a pitcher that I would bet against. So I I think he's definitely. Uh, merits going at this stage uh based on that adp uh, that pitcher 27 off the board i think that's a decent value decent decent gamble to take yeah i think just looking at the like we've kind of talked load management a little bit and i just we've already talked about so many blue jays pitchers i do wonder a little bit if they are you know manage his workload a bit um and you know they they uh some of the projections i'm seeing are like 135 to 150 ish innings so if it's on the low end maybe you're not getting as much from from Manoa, but I, I agree. Well, you, that, go ahead. Well, another interesting thing that just occurred to me to mention that we probably could have talked about up in the strategy section is um, just because of the universal DH now, uh, like people, I feel like instinctively 
value National League pitchers over American League pitchers. Mm. But that's not really a thing anymore, you know. So yeah. yes, yes, these Toronto guys have to pitch in a favorable hitting environment uh, at the Rogers Center, but uh, they don't. You know, the the fact they have to face these tough lineups, a lot of National League pitchers are going to have to be facing tough top to bottom lineups this year as well. So uh, I think some of these AL pitchers could actually be good values in drafts, just because uh, old habits die hard in that way. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, another point to make on that is just that, uh, which we didn't mention, is in the National League, you could have guys going a little bit deeper into games. Because obviously with you know manager strategy, sometimes you're pulling that pitcher in the fifth or even sixth inning or just a little bit early than you might um, because he's coming up in the order and you need to pinch hit and get the... But if you have the universal DH, maybe those some of those guys who are getting like a Brandon Woodruff, for instance, maybe... Maybe some of those five inning games turn into six inning games or even six point whatever innings. So, yep, yep. Um, where are we? We're you Darvish is twenty uh, eighth. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned a guy who burned. He burned me last year. <laughs> he was he was a top five you know, fantasy starting pitcher during the that short twenty twenty season, and I kind of I kind of bought into it a little bit, and I think I drafted a little too high. On uh, well, I definitely drafted too high on you uh, Darvish last year because he ended up being pretty pretty overrated in his first year in San Diego. Um, like he's he's likely to have a decent whip and like a fine ERA, but he's he's a bit risky to me. Like going as the the twenty eighth, like this might be your second starting pitcher, um, and I don't know if I want you Darvish as my second starting pitcher. Um, yeah, I, I definitely like the strikeouts. Um, he's susceptible, he's really susceptible to home runs and his really, he had a really rough second half last season that, that le- leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like he, he did okay in the first half and then fell off. And I, I don't know, I, I don't think I'm going to be drafting you Darvish this year. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that maybe the sticky substances cracked down. You could, you could say maybe it did really affect him. Cause yeah. I mean, the timing of it certainly was right around, uh, that time is when his performance really fell off a cliff, you know? Yep. So, uh, and certainly he's a pitcher that's known to get a lot of movement on his pitches as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think there's questions about consistency and durability with him and, um, definitely a lot of upside and, you know, that San Diego environment is appealing. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah, I think he's, uh, he's not for the faint of heart, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, so next up on the list is Dylan Cease of uh, the White Sox. Uh, this is another guy that I probably won't be getting a lot of. Um, you know, he piled up strikeouts with the best of them last year, hundred or 226 punchouts in just 165 and two-thirds innings. Um, but his command was extremely suspect, uh, as demonstrated by his 3.69 uh, walks per nine. He didn't pitch deep enough in games to get a lot of wins, and his 391 ERA and his 125 whip didn't help anyone win their leagues either. He's due for a little bit of positive regression to those ratios, but I don't think it's going to be enough to make his draft price worthwhile unless he takes a big step forward in terms of consistency and command. So for me, he's like another one of these pitchers where you have to pay for expected growth that we haven't actually seen yet, and I'm not going to be doing that. Yeah, and and he got 13 wins last year. He's playing for a good team. I think again, I think people are going to want to project him to be better. Hey, his 3.69 walk rate was the best of his young career 
<laughs> but <laughs> not, yeah, not good though. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> no, it is not yeah. good. So, um, yeah, I think, I think what you said about Dylan Cease, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, we are now at SP 30 and mm-hmm. Trevor Rogers who, uh, all right for 30 to 40, we're going to get a, uh, a little lightning round. Here. Yeah. Well, I was going to say either, either that, or we could wrap up at 30 and pick it back up. But which, which, which do you want to do? Uh, all right, fine. We'll wrap it at 30. Tell me about t- Trevor Rogers. <laughs> uh, so Trevor Rogers, uh, yeah, first round draft pick in 2017. Uh, he came up and flashed that strikeout potential in seven starts uh, during 2020. And, um, you know, we saw the Marlins ramp him up to 133 innings last year. Um, I mean, the high walk rate is the only kind of major wart I can really find on him. Maybe you can tell me something else, but I think it's very possible, too. Like, we we keep talking about the workload. I think the Marlins may still not give him a big workload, but you know, I think he could still break out with 150 or 60 innings pitched. Um, his XERA um, was uh, was higher than he uh, than his 2.64 ERA, but you know, even even that expected ERA is a good complement to that high K rate. So he he just looks like a former first round pick who is just ready to break out uh, again uh, more so to me than than a Dylan Cease uh, even but just with a worse team and you maybe you're not going to get much run support and wins mm-hmm. yeah I think he's a I think he's a decent value here and it it's just more to me points to like Sandy Alcantara being overdrafted because yeah I mean how you know how much how much confidence do we really have that Alcantara is going to be better than Trevor Rogers to me it basically feels like a coin flip and the you know, the Alcantara is going at 41st overall and Trevor Rogers is way down here um, at, you know, barely inside the top hundred picks. So yep. uh, I just think he's a much better value and the upside is, is definitely comparable there. Um, so yeah, the Marlins seem to be doing a very nice job of developing their, their young starting pitching, even though the win potential isn't going to be amazing. Um, it's a good pitching environment, uh, well-coached, uh, team in terms of the pitchers so uh, there's a lot to like with that staff I just don't think you need to reach for them you can kind of let them fall to you I mean people are not generally um, that eager to draft Marlins so you can probably get a good value on some of these guys if you're patient enough yep so Trevor Rogers rounds out that that top 30 I think if we're going to do another starting pitcher episode we're going to have to we're going to have to do a little bit more maybe not rapid fire but (laughs) Crank them a little faster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was gonna say rapid fire for thirty through for, thirty-one through forty, and then I saw the first two guys are Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander, and I definitely don't want to rush our discussion on those guys. So I agree. We will we will lead it off with Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander on our next show, which should uh, be available sometime over the weekend for you. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. I hope uh, this was helpful for your drafts, which. Uh, Should be fast approaching now. We're getting uh, the finish line is in sight of spring training and opening day, even though there are still a couple straggling uh, free agents who haven't signed yet. (laughs) Uh, That should all get resolved soon, and we will be ready to roll soon enough. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Seifter. And you can follow me on Twitter at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, Please follow, subscribe, rate, review, do all those things. We are out of here. We gone.
You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.